1: Measuring our days gets the emphasis to us of how frail we are, and that drives us to depend on God. Now, if we all told our age like that in terms of the number of days and changed our age every day, to, we got a new, new age, new age every day, that would put us in the frame that the Lord wants us to focus on when the Lord told us to only focus on today. And don't worry about the future. We're going to have a victory or a defeat today. And that will be the finality of today. A day of victory or a day of defeat. This is what he was saying in in Matthew 6.31. Matthew 6.31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be closed? After all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all those things it will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He's not say, he, what he's saying here is don't worry about your needs for tomorrow, but just focus your prayer, prayers to, on the needs for today. Because as far as tomorrow goes, James 4.14, James 4.14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It's a vapor. Appears for a little time, vanishes away. So the devil wants to terrorize man with one fear. What's going to happen to you in the future? God says, don't think about what's going to happen to you in the future. Just think about today. Lord, and and, and, and try to live a day where you come to the end of it and you say, Lord, I, 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 I did my best. I hope you were happy with my day, because if you are happy, I'm happy. So where the devil is getting us to focus off today and on the future, it really comes down to the ultimate goal, which is, you don't have to get saved today. There's always next Sunday. There's many Sundays for you to call on God to get saved. Don't sweat it out today. You got plenty of time. And God says, no, it's all about today today. In 2 Corinthians 6 2, 2, Corinthians 6 2, he says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Salvation is not about sometime in the future. Salvation is all about now, today. You know, the, the big this is the big error of the rich man. He disregarded the importance of the day when it said, when the Lord spoke a parable in luke twelve sixteen luke twelve sixteen he spake a parable unto them, saying, "The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, "What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow all my fruits He said, "This will I do i 'll pull down my barns, build greater, there will I bestow all my fruits, my goods, and I will say to my soul, soul." Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night, today, this night, thy soul shall be a of thee. Then who shall those things be? His focus was on the many years that he thought he had. God said to him, No, it's all about this night, this day, you're going to die. And this was the first instruction that Jacob was giving to Pharaoh to focus on numbering his days. Get his eyes off of this world and, and the shortness of time he has in here and put it on God. Like God told Israel in Amos 4.12, Amos 4.12, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Well, how can you do that? How do you prepare to meet God? There's only one preparation. You meet <laughs> God in judgment, and that's to be, to be shielded from the judgment, to be covered by trusting in God's prescribed remedy for sin, prescribed, his prescribed blood of the sacrifice to cover sins, the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now, Jacob gave Pharaoh a second instruction when he called his life on earth a pilgrimage. I mean, it was true that Jacob was not an Egyptian, so in that sense he was a foreigner and he, he was an alien, but Jacob wasn't talking about that because he wasn't saying, well, look, you know, recently I became a pilgrim or a foreigner or an alien when I entered Egypt. But, uh, but Jacob had just came, come from Canaan, which was his home, homeland. That was his homeland. That was where he was born. And so Jacob was saying that it, 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 he said, the days of the years of my pilgrimage. For years I've been being a pilgrim. We just came from Canaan. It shows that even in his house, even in his own homeland, he was a pilgrim. In fact, what he's saying here is that there's no place on earth where I would not be a pilgrim. And so Jacob tells him, tells Pharaoh, my father was a pilgrim, Isaac. My grandfather was a pilgrim, Abraham. They never left their homeland. They were pilgrims. So he's telling him, all my fathers were pilgrims, and that's the characteristic of the people of God. That's what he's saying. They were all pilgrims. They all confessed, as Jacob is doing here. They're pilgrims. That's what it means in Hebrews 11:13, Hebrews 11:13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth, on the earth. So no matter where they lived, they told everybody, "I'm a stranger, I'm a pilgrim on the earth." And that was very instructive for Pharaoh. Because if there was anyone on earth who felt very comfortable and very at home on earth, it was Pharaoh with all of his servants and the opulent luxury. I mean, he had it all. So when Jacob tells Pharaoh that he's a pilgrim, is that kind of like inviting Pharaoh, you know, come and join me as a pilgrim and a stranger on earth. Now that's unbelievable that this poor man, Jacob, Dependent refugee is sitting before the most powerful, richest man on earth, and he is inviting Pharaoh to turn his back on it all and become a pilgrim with him, but that was the only way that Pharaoh could be saved and, and, and it was to turn his back on the world and become with Jacob this pilgrim and stranger on the earth, because God said in first first, first John. 2 fifteen. First John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And if Pharaoh looked at Egypt all around him with all the luxurious palace and the temp- rich temples of the false gods and all their advanced sciences and arts and all their pleasure- pleasures that they had there through the sexual degradations in that place, and if Pharaoh would just danced around and he said, I love Egypt. I love Egypt. I love Egypt. If he did that, I love Egypt. Pharaoh would be loving the world and the love of the father would not be in Pharaoh. And, but Jacob didn't love the world. The world for Jacob was just a hotel, just like a hotel. The world for Jacob, just like a hotel. He checked in. He would stand there till he moved on. And that's what it means to be a pilgrim on the earth. How strange that Jacob should want Pharaoh Turned his back on everything on the world and become a, a, a pilgrim. But the point is, it was not that Jacob wanted him to do that. God wanted Pharaoh to turn his back. And God was calling Pharaoh through Jacob to turn his back on the world of Egypt. Reminds of another rich man who loved the world and the riches that he had in the world. And he found himself standing before the Lord Jesus. In Matthew nineteen sixteen, Matthew 19, 16, Behold, one came, said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That's God. That thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Which? Jesus said, No, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother, Love the Lord. love thy neighbor as thyself young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go. Sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Could say in here, he had great possessions, and he loved great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, some people think that this means that the Lord Jesus requires everyone who's rich to sell what they have and give to the poor, but this is not the point of the passage. The point here is that the Lord Jesus had just gotten this man to see he's God. Jesus is God. So when the man says, What good thing shall I do to, to, to gain eternal life? He's thinking the Lord's going to give him some kind of price. You know, go do this. You know, like, uh, how much does it cost? And, you know, how much does eternal life cost? Um, I'm rich. I can afford it. And the Lord saw this man's heart and saw that having riches was the most important thing to this man, even more important than having God. So if it came to a choice for this man of having riches or having God in eternal life, the man would choose riches. And just to reveal that love of the world, the Lord Jesus, as God, commanded him to sell his riches and follow the Lord. And he refused. Why? Because he loved the world and the riches of the world more than God. Now, again, Joseph, uh, Jacob, Jacob instructs Pharaoh here when he says about his life, few and evil have been the days of the life and days of the years of my life. So he tells Pharaoh here, that the days of the years of his life have been few. Now, when we think, like we're talking about of expressing our age in terms of years and, and, or days, and, and when we do think, we, we, so when we think about just years, for example, we try to look back over a year. Let's say I ask you now to think back, look back over 2017. What do you do? Oh, the year is just a long, it's just too long for us to comprehend, so we think about okay, the year. Break it down: January, February. You know, you go down. You break it down into the months. What happened in in January? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. Well, what happened in June? Oh yeah, I remember. What happened in October? Oh yeah. So you break it down and you, you and you think about what happened on a day in January, a day in June, a day in October. That's because a year is sort of a blur of 365 days. It's just too much to see at one time because the it's the individual days we remember. And when we express our, our age in terms of days, well, I'm 24,432 four hundred thirty two days. Or remember what happened on the 24,409th day. <laughs> we remember what happens on a particular day. We may not remember the day number, but what happened on a day. When we think of 24,432 days, we think, you know, that's really not too big a number. I can actually count to that number. I could sit down and count one, two, three. I could get to twenty-four thousand four hundred and thirty-two. That's scary. That all of our lives have happened within those twenty-four thousand four hundred and thirty-two days. And and they really do look like a few days. And that's what he's talking about. Now in Jacob's case, it happens to be 47,450 days. As he looked at that number, 47,450 days, he said, Jacob looks at it and says, That's it? That's all I've lived? just 47,450 days, that's not much. That's a few number of days. So he's telling Pharaoh here, if I live 47,450 days, and that's a few, how many have you lived? That's even fewer. And that should cause Pharaoh to ask the all-important question, what should my goal be in life? I have such few days on earth What shall I accomplish during that time? What should I give myself to to, during the few number of days I live on earth? And that's a really important question. That's a really important question for anyone who takes the time to get off the rat race of the urgent matters of the day that rob a person of reflection. And some people follow the Mother Teresa model. And they say, well, our goal is to, my goal is to help others and that's a good goal. But how much? How much helping others is enough to satisfy the soul that asks the question, what is your life all about? And some people have the philanthropist model and they say their goal in life is to make the world a better place than, 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 than it was before they came in the few days of their life. But the world's falling apart. It's getting worse and worse. So is that really enough to satisfy the soul's desire for meaning in life? And some people just say, forget it, and they follow the you only live once model. And so they say their goal in, in life is to get as much as they can in life and enjoy as much as they can in the few days of life. That's the born-to-be-wild view of life. But there's always that one possession that's not gained and there's that one pleasure that's not experienced and then in the end the question remains is that really enough to satisfy the soul's desire for real fulfillment in life so what's the answer to all this what's the answer to the soul's desire for fulfilling life this is what jacob is saying in verse nine he's saying you must say no to the world and turn to god with all your heart your soul your mind which means first Confess to God your personal condition of being a dirty, rotten sinner. And then accept God's remedy for sin, which is God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ dying for personal sins, and then start a pilgrimage that ends in the presence of the Lord Jesus for eternity. That's the only life. That's the only life that fulfills the soul's desire for meaning and fulfillment. A life of a pilgrimage to reach the person who is the most loved, the most worshipped, and adored, the Lord Jesus. Now, when Jacob looks back over the days of the years of his pilgrimage, he saw that those days were evil. That's what he said, they were evil. Now, we've already seen a summary of Jacob's life, and, and it was pretty rough, so we can understand why he says that. But when he, he's talking about, uh, he's comparing his life to um, his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. So when he compares his, to his fathers Abraham and Isaac, Jacob's life was really much rougher than theirs. In fact, if you were to rank roughness of life, Jacob would get the award. He's at the top, and and and, and who would be next? Probably Abraham. I mean Abraham. He had a lot of dramas. He was all he was. He was in fear that he was going to be killed because of his beautiful wife. You know. Anyway and then having his wife, his beautiful wife, Sarah, push him into having a baby with her servant Hagar, and then having to expel her out of the home and have her return, and then to have this son Ishmael, who was far from God, and then to have a conflict with Lot over land, and then to have to fight five kings and their armies to rescue Lot, and then all the drama of of, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, of going about to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Well, there was a lot of trouble in, in Abraham's life, but not as much as Jacob. And we look at, the, uh, it, it, at Isaac, he really had the least trouble in his life. I mean, Isaac has, he starts out under the protection of a strong-willed mother, Sarah, protecting him. Then he has a strong-willed wife, Rebecca, manipulating him by getting his son Jacob to lie to him. And well, you know, those are some trouble, but but he but he did have trouble, he did have a little trouble seeing his father raise a knife over him to sacrifice him. And then he also had a fear of being killed because of his beautiful wife, Rebecca. And then Isaac had his well stolen, and then Isaac was got fixated on the wrong son, Esau, and then Isaac was blind when he was old, and then Isaac was tricked, and he gave the birthright blessing to Jacob. But compared to Abraham and, and, and Jacob, Isaac's life was relatively not rough, but the, so the prize for the roughest life goes to Jacob. And Jacob would agree with Job, who said in Job five seven Job five seven Man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. So Jacob sees his life as being born into trouble. Trouble followed him. And so then Jacob says in verse nine, "Few and evil have been the days of the life my life been; have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers." So Jacob is speaking like it's his life is over now, like the that that the the book of his life is going to be closed. He he thought he's going to die; he's 130 years old. In reality, he's going to live 17 more years. I don't know if, he, if, you, if you told him that, he might have fainted. He says, I can't take 17 more years. He's going to die at 147. But those last 17 years of his life on earth, they were the best. They were ideal. He lived in the lush land of Goshen. He was nourished by, by Joseph, he, who took care of his every need. I mean, and, and he got to see his family flourish. They're really the best years of his life. And so Jacob's description of the few and evil days of his life, was not true for the last 17 years of his life. Even though his life on earth turned to, to be really good in those last 17 years, that did not change his resolve to remain a pilgrim. Even though Egypt was very good to him for the last 17 years of his life, it did not make him want to be buried in Egypt. He wanted to be buried in Canaan. And that was his final statement of, of Hebrews eleven thirty eight 38. Hebrews 11, 38, of whom the world was not worthy, which meant that for Jacob the world and even the land of Goshen was not good enough for him to stop his pilgrimage. So he says in verse nine, the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. And so he sees himself as continuing a pattern that his grandfather started when he turned his back on the world and headed to heaven and his father followed along. And he sees himself as following them. You know, it's wonderful to have Christian parents. It's great. And to see yourself as following their examples is such a blessing. And and Jacob was telling Pharaoh, I had that. But many of us did not have that benefit of having Christian parents, and Pharaoh didn't have that benefit. But neither did Abraham. Abraham didn't, and he started. But Pharaoh did have Joseph and Jacob before him, as examples that he could follow in turning his back on the world and heading to be with Jehovah Jesus for eternity. You know, Vice President Pence has said that his goal is to see the president saved. And this is Jacob's goal, is to telling telling Pharaoh all this in verse 9. And that should be our goal also. And this is the blessing that Jacob the greater gave to Pharaoh the lesser, it was all this when he, this instruction in verse nine. That's why it starts off by saying he blessed him. How did he bless him? Verse nine, and then verse ten says he blessed him. How did he bless him? Verse nine, verse ten, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for helping Jacob to not neglect Pharaoh's soul, and help us to follow and do the same in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051.
2: Experience a short-term missions trip to Israel, the land and people to whom the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Not only walk where the Lord Jesus walked, but reach who He reached, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Be a part of the encouraging Jewish friends to receive the Lord Jesus. Israel Alive is all about making friendships with lost Israelis that will hopefully be eternal. We hope you'll join us in reaching the nation of Israel one friendship at a time. For more information, visit us at israelalive.org. That's israelalive.org Join us for the Taste of Creation silent auction and fundraiser for the Creation and Earth History Museum, Israel Restoration and Friendship with God Ministries on Saturday, July 14th at 6 p.m. Enjoy an amazing evening of fantastic food, music, prizes, and a special message by ministry president Tom Cantor and guest speaker Frank Sherwin. Your participation and support of this fun-filled evening helps sustain these vital ministries to equip future generations and promote the furtherance of the gospel message. Register today at www.tasteofcreation.com That's tasteofcreation.com